What I do is inconsequential. Why I do what I do is I get to shorten people's journeys every day. What I love about our hospitality industry is that it's our mission to make people feel cared for while on their journeys. Together, we'll explore what hospitality means in the built environment, in business, and in our daily lives. I'm Dan Ryan, and this is Defining Hospitality. Today's guest fosters creativity. She has over 20 years experience designing high-profile retail, restaurants, and hospitality environments. She's an innovative and incredibly passionate designer. She's the design director, hospitality practice leader in the Northeast for Gensler. Ladies and gentlemen, Siobhan Berry. Welcome, Siobhan. Hi, Dan. Thanks. Um, I'm, I'm so glad you're here. And I've known you for many, many moons. But I think the first experience of, of me really experiencing what you are all about, it was some fashion show, product runway maybe, where, where I say that you foster creativity, you foster, you just take things over the top. <laughs> and I just to walk, it, walk everyone through it. So you have these kind of things. Uh, so these design groups are given tiles or picture frames or whatever, and they turn it into some kind of a costume or a, a, not a costume, some kind of couture um, oh, yeah. dress. And it's really, runway, everyone puts a in runway so much, outfit. Yeah. Yes. Everyone puts in so much work and the results are amazing. And they, for what we do, it raises money for charity. However, when you were at iCrave, I believe you guys took this to the next level. And I remember you walking out of this down the runway with this kind of these little, these big wings on black wings. And somehow you pushed a button and it came up and you were like this dark angel and the crowd <laughs> went bananas. And it was just, it was just one of the most incredible things where you really just pushed the envelope. So I guess my question is, is as far as just wowing and delighting and really pushing the envelope almost to where you break things, like, where does that come from within you? You have to remember that when we started, we were designing nightclubs and I actually talk about this all the time. And, and even though I don't get to design nightclubs as much anymore, this, there's still all the lessons that I learned doing those are the same things that we think about to, that I try to think about and, and, and bring into our projects and our practice today. And what you just described it's so funny. I haven't thought about that in a while and I'm going to go on YouTube later and, and look it up. But what, what it's like remembering that, like sometimes we get as designers, we get in our little, like, what's my costume? What's my project? What's my creativity? But you forget about like the room of the people who are going to be experiencing what, what this performance is or what this display is. So if you can find a way to like include them in the performance, let's call it, like now you have, now you have theater. Now you have like a feeling that everyone took. And I love that you remembered it all these years later. It's like, cause you were in there and you had to be in the moment. And you, you remember like that collective gasp. I actually want to look it up on YouTube. Cause I remember um, rewinding and forwarding like the people's faces when they went. And there was this like jaw drop moment. And that was so much fun. Like being in that moment and like watching that kind of surprise and collected energy so you know all that is still what we do every day like we're we we are not just saying let's make a beautiful space that's going to look great on a magazine cover 
were like, how are you going to, how are you going to connect people in the space? How are you going to get them to connect with each other? How are you going to make them feel like it isn't just, oh yeah, I, I had my Instagram moment in that space, but I had this amazing time and I have to go back and I have to feel that energy that I felt in that space or whatever, you know, hotel, restaurant, nightclub, whatever. I think, I think that's where the, where the fun comes for me. I love how you say, and it sounds so simple too, like, Hey, you have to remember who your actual audience is at that moment. Mm -hmm. Because I think oftentimes people are going for that Instagrammable moment or for the cover of the magazine, or just to also just create a beautiful space that's kind of disconnected from the actual human beings who are going to be connecting within it and being impacted and inspired. Mm-hmm. And I remember when you talked about just the eyes opening and everything, like you hit it out of the park there and everyone just went bananas and just the dancing the drinking, the sweating, it all just happened there. And I don't think it was supposed to do that. Like, it was almost like you threw gasoline, you threw gasoline on an audience and they just went completely bonkers. So my, my question from that of really focusing in on that audience and who it is at that moment, how do you take that into each of the projects that you're doing? That's what hospitality is though. I mean, like that's, that is like we choreograph, we don't just design a space, we choreograph a, 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 a ribbon of an experience. Um, so, you know, we know enough, we collectively are field, like we've, we're, we're these experts. We know, um, we know what it's like to feel um, anxiety. We know what it's like to feel, um, you know, embarrassment, loneliness. We know all these emotions. And so we can kind of find the places to like um, make people feel secure. And we do that in from like the high level, um, you know, how a guest room should feel when you check into it, because it just makes you feel like this is calm and it's supposed to be like this and everything's in its right place. But then also to the places where we want you to like kind of take a leap with us and, you know, go somewhere you haven't been or see something you haven't seen or connect with someone you don't know. So like that choreography, we talk about this all the time. These are the, the, the guest journeys and they sound kind of hack because we, we talk about it all the time, but it's everything. It's like, in the old days we would, we would design from, I need this many beds and this many seats in my restaurant. Those are, those still matter. Those are still metrics that we need to hit. But when we design from the guest journey outwards, now we map back to that. What do I need here operationally? What do I need to think about from a design perspective? Uh, what's happening digitally to inform it all together? And so it's same problem, but different way of looking at it. And that's when we can kind of create these high points or these calming points or whatever we need along the way. So it's, it's just a process, I think, that we, we need to have in our head. And with that process and really thinking about that ribbon, I love the ribbon because it's not just your, it, it kind of, it's almost like a thread that ties you through the whole experiential, experiential journey. <clears throat> and then if you think about um, from nightclubs to hotels, to restaurants, obviously everyone is giving and receiving hospitality in those. So when you think about with your design hat on, 
in hospitality. How do you define hospitality as you look at a project or you explain it to a, an intern coming in who maybe is, is just experiencing how to do these built environments for the first time in a real practical setting? Okay, so this is a good one. I, I, I wanna, there's a lot I'm gonna probably ramble on about, but in the shortest shorthand, um, and this is the way I've been coming to think about hospitality over the, the time that I've been at Gensler. It's sort of like the Eskimo word for snow, like we need more words because one, one word isn't going to cut it here. So, but I think in a, in a simple way, I call, I call it big age hospitality and small age hospitality. And what I mean by that is there's sort of the realm of the industry that we know. And so that's the big H. And I think of that as hotels, restaurants, spas, cruise ships, the things that we kind of know are in this industry category. Um, and then there's this small H, which to me is everything else where or every other arena in which our clients, our customers are are expecting a different way of engaging than they've than they have in the past been used to, and so it's like bringing a hospitality thinking into these other spaces, and so that's everything from cancer hospitals to first class lounges to stadiums and everything in between. It could be a train station. We're changing how we see, we used to have these sort of rules about hospitality over, over here. Everything else is kind of categorized by these different building types, but that's not how we experience the world anymore. Our expectations have changed and we're seeing it in all the amenities projects that we're um, you know, witnessing, especially post COVID. Um, there's this new opportunity to kind of bring that thinking into just about every aspect of uh, a human experience. Um, so that was a big mouthful. Um, but I think the small age for me, I, I love them both, but the small age is exciting because it's new and it's, um, it's, it's a, it's a surprise and you definitely feel, um, you know, the, the kind of newness of a place being reinvented or a place being reimagined through this hospitality lens. And when you think about the, like I'm hearing you say, okay, the small age is the really exciting one. It's what, it's kind of what gets everything, gets the energy flowing. So, and a, a few minutes ago when we were talking about the, the dark angel explosion, right? <laughs> you know, that it's almost as if, and, th and then you refer to that as, oh, what the Instagrammable moment is. But I feel like that dark angel moment was before the Instagrammable moment. I'm sure all the nightclubs that you were working on in your former life were before the Instagrammable moment. Mm -hmm. How do you, in your mind, how do you move away from that Instagrammable moment to this small H? And, mm -hmm. and how do you kind of reframe that back to what it's meant to be? So it's tricky. And I think, and just to be clear, I also love the big H. Um, I think we're getting, uh, there's so much saturation. There's so much, you know, we know all the hotels that we've never even been to because we've seen them and we've kind of seen everything visually or we've you know, seen on social media, <clears throat> excuse me. So it's a challenge to, 
have people present in a moment and have that connected experience that's really going to go, you had to be there. You could not experience this in any other way except in the space. Um, so, you know, I think the, the challenge is always the fun part of it. Like, how do you, how do you carve out new ways of engaging and surprising? And it might be different than it was 15 years ago. And it might, um, you know, in our new hybrid world, it might also include people who are present in a digital way that weren't 15 years ago. So the concept is changing, but I do think um, the, if you think about the best times you've had or the best, you know, human <clears throat> experiences, engagement you've had, they weren't digital. They weren't, um, they probably weren't even fully planned. They were spontaneous or they had some element of spontaneity with them. And, uh, you know, it's the time it's like, you know, no one ever has a great time on Valentine's Day or New Year's Eve because it's the expectations are so kind of linear and, and um, you know, ex expected is the word. It's when you kind of have that night that evolves organically and you, you know, you think you're going to start over here and you end up over there. And I know you and I have had some of these end up karaoke at 4 a.m. And it's like, those are the best times because you're, you're kind of tapped into this thing together where, doesn't have to be huge, but it's real and it's connected and it kind of keeps going. And, and we're, we're playing out these characters of ourselves that are like, this is my fun side. This is my me spontaneous and fun and without a care in the world. And so like, can you find ways to bring that, like check into that spontaneity on a business trip in a hotel, uh, in an airport lounge? Can you have that like, um, you know, access to that side of yourself. I think that's what's exciting. I think, I think it's just so hard to still get that surprise going. Cause anywhere, when you're planning anything, <clears throat> my wife, Alexa, she's a huge planner and she gets a lot of information from all the social media stuff. And she'll like, look at what the things are. She'll get a really good 360 degree view of, right. of what it is. For me personally, I don't like looking at any of it. I just want to go. I like suspending all disbelief. It's like reading a book. Like, I don't know what's coming next or watching a movie. And I like that surprise. Um, so I don't know how to find that balance. But I will say on the karaoke side, okay, we've done karaoke a handful of times. We've gone to a place where it's up on the screen and we're singing. But I think the most special moment was when, I think it was called SIDS on like 19th or oh, yeah. Sid's gold. So you walk through this door. It's like a hidden door. You go and it was a live piano bar karaoke. I'd never done that before. And that was a true surprise, which I absolutely loved. And I'm always grateful for that. And when can we do that again? Uh, yeah, um, actually, I was in touch with him. Uh, we helped him out with some kind of post COVID um, things that he was trying to do. Um, but I'm going to reach out and see if he's open again, because we got to get back in there. Um, but you just described, so what's great about SIDS is, yes, the room is beautiful. Um, it's scaled to an intimate, it's, this isn't like, you know, typical karaoke rooms. It's got this kind of club lounge VIP room feeling place. It's got a little stage, but when you're up there, you feel supported by the guy on the piano. You don't feel kind of like stranded by yourself in a room full of strangers. So you have that like backup um, and no one's staring at the screen with the 
words on it. You're all, they're all looking at you and the piano player. So you get this authentic, like um, old timey performance feel. Uh, and those are all the things like, you know, we as designers, we think about like, okay, what color is it? Where are the lights? What's the, you know, room size? But we have to kind of think about all parts of that. And again, it's the choreography. It's like the whole journey and the, the like, what's it going to feel like? Um, yeah. What's your favorite karaoke song? I forget. You have a, you have a running, okay. for those who don't do. know, Siobhan <laughs> has a running list on her phone okay. of songs that are in her range. What are they? I mean, I go from kind of Blondie, Gwen Stefani, um, you know, pop to my country favorites. Um, Son of a Preacher Man is a great song, Dusty Springfield. Um, I'll throw in some Patsy Cline, Stand By Your Man. That's one of my faves. My husband likes that one. Actually, I, I think I sang that for a friend at, at Sid's Gold on his, uh, on his 50th birthday. He wasn't my man, but I, it was a, I don't know if that's a gift or not, but um, it was fun. (laughs) I think it's a tremendous gift. And then for those of you who don't know, the creativity in Siobhan's house is just off the charts. Um, Her husband, James is a, an incredible, I would say like a mixed media artist, right? He's just been creating some fabulous works of art and, um, and continues to always be creating. You guys are always creating. How did, how did you guys meet? We met working at Calvin Klein and he was, this was back in the days when Calvin still owned the company and I was working in house architecture team doing facilities design of, you know, I was young. It was, it wasn't the most exciting job, but it was um, doing showrooms or, you know, Calvin's bathroom one day or Barry's shelves in his office. So it was, it was, um, it was a great starter job. Meanwhile, James, so I was down here on the basement level, James up here on the 10th floor, and literally that kind of says it all. He was doing women's catwalk collection. And, um, you know, it was like as far away from where what I was doing. But um, we eyed each other up and um, let's just say Christmas parties are where connections get made. And actually coming up to our... Uh, to her, to an anniversary of meeting at that Christmas party. So yeah. Oh, well, maybe I, you can get I, in touch I just with yada, Sid. yada, yada, by the way, I, over I, a lot I, of stuff. I, I love the yada, 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 but maybe you can get in touch with Sid and see if it's open and we could have a Christmas oh, party awesome. extravaganza. I'm going to do it now. And then also just for those of you who don't know, um, my wife is a huge fan of James's art. Well, obviously so am I, but sometimes I'll do a a recording if you'd see on youtube where it would a piece of james's art is like over one of my shoulders i forget which way you're you're looking and also just to throw in a, um, a fun nugget about james we just collaborated actually on a hotel that just opened last week this is an autograph in orlando and um, james has posted a few shots of it but we collaborated on an art piece um in the in the restaurant of the hotel. So this is the Swan Reserve. And in the dining room, um, there's a room full of uh, handmade plates. And actually my sister made the plates. James did the artwork on the plates. Um, And it's there and it's open and it looks amazing. And so that was kind of like our, our creative family coming together. I always joke, not joke, 
we have no lawyers and we have no dentists. We have no like useful people in our, in our family, but we have photographers and artists and pottery designers and everything in between. So, um, you know, I would say that's more useful because it's, it's continual inspiration and capturing and reimagining of inspiration. Yeah. We're like a little Bloomsbury set, but, um, for the new world. Um, when you said you did Calvin Klein's bathroom, I never knew that. It like literally Calvin's bathroom. Well, just or, or the in office. his office. Yeah. Everything. So was his private CEO bathroom. Yeah. What was the coolest thing about that? Oh, Dan, there's nothing cool about that. Um, it, everything back then, this was the 90s. Everything had to be black or white. We had to wear black every day. Um, and if you received flowers at your desk, like someone sent you flowers, if they weren't white, you had to keep them wrapped up in tissue until you could like take them home. Um, Did know, James follow that protocol? No, designers, remember, he was on the 10th floor. They could wear like a garbage bag. Nobody would care. Um, and he was always in army fatigues. And, you know, that's probably why he stuck out um, because I would be like, who's that guy? Uh, so Calvin's bathroom probably had white tile and black laminate. It wasn't fancy, but. Um, okay, so. Then the question is, how do you go from Calvin Klein? Did you go from there to iCrave and meeting up with Lionel? Or did you know Lionel from the old country? Like, how did that whole... Um, I did know Lionel from the old country. Um, Lionel and I went to University of Waterloo together. And so I think I met him on my first week at school. He was a couple years ahead of me. And uh, we, we were always in touch when I graduated and I moved down to New York, I actually freelanced for him on the side while he had some gigs going on. And this was like going way back, um, doing a little bit of retail stuff. I ended up at Calvin from there. I went to into residential um, and then retail. I mean, I hopped around a bit. I think it takes a while to really figure out like where your, where your realm is. But when Lionel started I crave, this was right after 9-11, we, you know, I was working in this retail company. All our projects had kind of come to a grinding halt right after 9-11. In New York City. In New York. And we were doing Prada. We were doing Charuti. We were doing all these like Madison Avenue, um, very beautifully detailed high-end places. They all kind of came to a halt or at least a big pause. And James had started a fashion show, a fashion line, literally September 10th. So it was like a collision of things kind of happened. And actually, now that I say that, I think some of the biggest kind of turning points in my career have been these like weird collisions of time and events happening at a, at a given point. And at that one, Lionel came over to see the James, we had this kind of post 9-11 well we've rented the showroom bring our friends in to see the clothes and then um you know who knows what's going to happen next and Lionel said I'm starting uh, starting a business come join me we have a nightclub project and I remember saying like no one wants to go to nightclubs anymore like we're you know this there was this sort of like heavy fog over the city and it just felt like nobody wants to go out nobody's feeling it like we're all we're in this kind of understandable state of depression 
but there was this kind of moment almost like you, you know you can hold back the, the the crowd you can hold back the gates but at a certain point there's going to be this pent-up energy and demand to like get out and you know celebrate again and we wondered if that could ever happen again and it, and of course it did and the timing was sort of like releasing the gates and everyone just kind of like bad out of hell wanted to get out again and so for the next few years it was just design build nightclubs go and it was insane but it was so different from what I had been doing before like beautiful little details and polished chrome and walnut edging and like all that to four weeks go get this place open lights furniture concept you know Four weeks. I remember one place that we did called Dorcia. The owner, we were design building. So we never did any, we, we only did the sketches we needed to tell our vendors what to build. So it would be like, we'd be standing there drawing a little section saying, okay, here's what color the cushions are going to be. Um, and I just remember like painting stripes on a DJ booth like two hours before the first guests were coming in like it was it was theater it was just you know get it get it up and running for this Halloween party and um, do whatever you need to do oftentimes you know we, we spend oftentimes years working on projects right um, so me on the, the furniture side it could be years for you it's probably even longer from concept to uh documentation through construction administration and then the open to the opening. Yeah. Um, if you go back or so sometimes when I working on a project for so long, then I'm, I'm like, okay, yeah, this is great. Hooray. But if for the, you on your nightclub projects, if you think about all the different ones that you did and as hard as they are, and then in a four week lead time, which is just crazy, what was the most exciting project you worked on and and not just on the nightclub side and when at that opening party why was that the most exciting and what was the most memorable oh god i can't i don't know if i could say which one was my favorite although crowbar was pretty epic mm -hmm. um because that was so big and you know there was that era of the big super clubs and this was this was as big as it got and it had so many different rooms and different experiences within it and multiple DJs. Um, when you, when your work, when your work life is kind of part of your life life to the point where, I mean, we're working seven days a week and just constantly, but when you crescendo to the opening and the opening is the party. So your, your deadlines are now a party. Like, that's a great feeling because it's like every time you have a deadline, there's this massive celebration. That was good. I had to, I had to um, adjust my expectations as I got into other arenas. It's like, oh, there's not always going to be fireworks and DJs when you finish your deadline. Yeah. Because oftentimes we work, we work all so hard on these hotel projects and there is an opening party. It's fun. Yeah. It's, but it's very restrained. I feel as if a nightclub opening party is just kind of off the rails, just insane explosion. Going back to that dark angel explosion kind of thing. Yeah, uh, well, I'm going to come out of this with like hashtag dark angel going off. But um, but yeah, it's the best. And I think, you know, we still, and I say we, design leaders need to do that and remind ourselves like the, the 
the younger designers we work with haven't always had that experience or haven't had that experience. Um, and, and so it's sort of like, we need to bring hospitality thinking also into our own work um, rhythms and, and you know schedules and remember to celebrate a little bit. I'm actually, tonight I'm hosting my team here um, to, to thank them for just an amazing year. It's sort of a, um, what I wanted to be a tradition and couldn't start last year. And now I hope will be a, um, a, an ongoing tradition to, to cook dinner for them and host them in my, in my home. So it's not the same as a nightclub. There will not be a dark angel performance, but um, I hope it'll be fun. I'm texting with James. I, I've sent him an outfit. He's gonna he's gonna jump out of a trunk. He's whip it up. Oh, he's the dark angel. Okay. Yeah. That's no, you funny. are. But I, maybe we just figured out your uh, your Marvel or DC, whichever universe you're in, you like better. Your that's your comic book hero, Dark Angel. Um, I'll go with that. Okay, good. Um, so I've heard you say the word celebrate a couple of times. Um, the first time you said celebrate. Actually, I think it was the second time. It was talking about opening nightclubs after September 11th. Like no one, mm -hmm. you're saying, oh, no one really wanted to go out and celebrate. We're working on these. It might be too soon. And then there was this flood of this. Basically, it was it was uh, that late 90s, early to or actually early 2000s was kind of like a renaissance for nightclub and nightlife in New York City. Fast forward from that, from your time at iCrave to the projects and the, and the types of things that you're working on at Gensler now and thinking about COVID and people traveling and you working on all these fabulous pro projects at Gensler. How, what are the similarities you're seeing between that moment after September 11th and celebration and right now with all these projects and owners and developers that you're working on and the, the feeling of mm -hmm. too soon or let's just go and celebrate. What are you seeing at Gensler? I, I always, it's sort of like, you know, the longer my career um, that I, that I have a career, the more times I hear, you know, something's dead or something's over or something is like, no, no one's ever going to do that thing again. Like we, we heard it before we're, we're back at that cycle. And I think if we've all seen this, like no, never count out, this need of people to connect in, in real life and, and celebrate. Um, you know, I also actually have an Airbnb and it's funny because I saw firsthand people needed a place to get together with their family and celebrate the, the smallest things, the birthday, the, you know, the baby being born, the, the grandparents 80th birthday, whatever it was, there was no, there's no kind of, you know, global pandemic that's ever going to um, be able to suppress that that need. And so, as we kind of get back to life and get back to normal, whatever normal is, these are the things that are leading, like these groups, these connections, and especially in the resort and especially in the leisure market. Um, and it's you know, it's interesting. Like the opening of the autograph is like so perfectly timed to. Disney's 50th um, anniversary and this kind of like, I'm talking about celebration, like they were designed for celebration. The hotel was actually positioned to see fireworks from different angles. 
and the rooms were designed to be able to host um there's large tables in the suites there's like they're kind of built in for these like you know celebrations at at this very like small scale um but in a big in a big setting or with other people around so um i've completely lost sense of the question but i feel like celebration is um it's what we do to kind of get through all the tough parts we have to have that we we need like the places and the support and the hospitality to to let those things happen and i think it was maybe mark twain who said that history may not repeat itself but it definitely rhymes so it does the the real part of the, the what i was really trying to get to was okay so too soon mm. nightclubs but now on the hotel side and and all that stuff that you're you're talking about at disney how is it rhyming the holdback from after shortly after september 11th to where we are now just i think that um we need we need to get together physically okay we've we've established that we can't be away from our friends and families without losing our minds because they're how we get through all the the tough stuff so there's the physical need there's just um you know how is it rhyming i think there's also this kind of like the longer you hold something back the more urgent it's going to feel and you know the return to travel the return to air travel i don't know if you've been on a plane lately but it's like everyone is back everyone is doubling up on the travel this season especially i mean um so i think that those are the kind of you know the just basic human things that we need it's not the same same you know we're not like there's still all these things where we have to reinvent and we have to figure out and and um you know people want it on their own terms in a way that we're that we're not that is new i think so what does that mean when i travel for an event you know i want the private chef i want the um the customized program i want the you know i hate to use the word curated but like there's this sort of build it for me um aspect to how people are i mean i'm saying this about group and leisure travel um so it's a little bit different but i think that there's that's also kind of where we are that's different from it was from where it was in 2001. You said something just now as a build it for me speaking about you know mm -hmm. hey let's all get out and do this stuff but it also made me think about Siobhan says she has an Airbnb in passing but it's not in passing like where you are sitting right now is a brownstone in Brooklyn that you basically yeah. got renovated you you basically were you swinging um sledgehammers yourself? Only a little bit, only just for demo. That's like the photo op, but we didn't right. really. By the okay. way, I just noticed that door. I got to close that later. But. It's beautiful. <laughs> I heard someone really interesting say the types of projects on the design side that they work on, while they appreciate the small developer whose dream it's been to build a hotel and they put their whole life savings into that hotel, they love the passion, but that's not their client, right? They want to work with the people, the 
the larger developers where they're really putting some big money and executing a vision so that it's almost, there's a level of almost impersonality, but it's still important. Um, as you go from working from your retail slash nightclub experience to the types of projects right now, like who is your ideal client or clients at, at Gensler? Like if you could describe them. I'll describe one that I'm really enjoying working with, although I won't name them and they are a company. Um, and I think, you know, it's never one person because, you know, we work with entities and corporations on some of these projects. I mean, on all projects, it's a team effort. Sometimes you're going to have that single visionary, bombastic creator leader, but more often than not, we're teams of people with different interests or different aspects of the project that, you know, they, we each need different parts to succeed. And I I love the challenge of being able to pull those needs together. So for this particular client, um, you know, we're working on a first class lounge and there are people whose job it is, this is in an airport, there are people's job, people whose job it is to um, consider all the Port Authority and, you know, TSA elements that are like restrictions. To me, those are just constraints and, you know, how can we be creative and make something feel amazing in hospitality, but also solve all those needs. It's kind of like when you're on a cruise ship project, it has to meet such intense restrictions. It forces you to be very creative. Um, so we have those, that aspect of it. Then we have the operational challenge um, of what it means to actually run one of these places. And um, what are the, you know, this isn't a Manhattan project, this is a airport project. So we have to think about it from a completely different way in terms of what will the food and the beverage program be like? Can it be as good? Can we get it to this place that it's gonna you know, have the same level of quality and expectation that we would at a, let's say a, a land side project. And, and so they have teams of hospitality people and they come in with their incredible expertise. And then we have, you know, the the money people who need to make sure that this is all going to fit a budget. So if if we leave out any one of those, and I'm leaving out dozens of the stakeholders, but just to simplify, like that complexity, I think is where it's like if we can if we can connect on all of these parts and and listen and understand all the needs and bring them together in a way. Now you get the symphony and now you get this opportunity to do something that can really, you know, again, surprise, going back to the surprise concept, push the boundary and surprise someone who's going to come in here. I love that because in all elements of just projects that you're working on, life, business, constraints are really what facilitate the most innovation. If you just think about them, not as impediments, but challenges of how we work around. What's the biggest um, constraint that you've ever experienced on a project and how did you get around it? The biggest constraint ever on a project. You know what? The, I'm not going to be able to give you a specific project, but I'm going to tell you that the hardest thing I find to design is when there's no budget. There's no, like, the sky's the limit. You can spend all the money in the world. 
I think we need, I need that um, something to, 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 you know, I don't want to say battle against, but some uh, the constraint to like push against because I, I mean, just, it's sort of like gooey in my mind. It doesn't have like any walls and it's just like, well, what is it? And, you know, there, you need, I need that little bit of grit, you know? I love that. And I actually was having a conversation recently about this where there was no budget. Right. So then we're just trying to fumble along and figure it out. And um, you, you sailed, you've sailed. Yeah. I used to teach sailing. Oh, you did used to teach sailing. Oh yeah. I remember you told me that. Okay. So, but it was this idea of, okay, so you have these ideas of where you want me to be. I am on this path with just kind of plugging it along and it's the idea of dead reckoning, right? Where it's like, okay, well, I know where I am. I know where I want to get to. So I'm going to take all the different inputs around me and kind of get there. But it's yeah. it's limiting because if I can hear, if I have other points of reference, constraints or otherwise, yeah. it really allows me to kind of be way more efficient and, and plan that out. Right. There's more inputs and there's more kind of like hierarchy and... Um, you know, you, you don't have as many choices you, and you have to make the best decision with the information you have. And you, you can't just kind of float around there forever. Hmm. As you think about constraints just out there in the, in the world, as it pertains to just anything, work, life, you name it. Well, what's keeping you up at night these days? Making sure, I think what keeps me up at night is, um, you know, we've come out of this, a time of where we were all just kind of struggling to stay afloat during COVID, making sure we, you know, were keeping the workflow coming in and that we had, you know, enough, literally enough to do to keep going. And, and we got through that. And now we're in this time of like, change and growth and um we have an incredibly loyal and talented team and you know i want to i think about like are they challenged enough but not over challenged do they have you know do they have the support as we grow do they have are they still feeling the growth opportunities because the talent's everything and we need them to stay motivated, stay inspired, keep growing and um, help us kind of reinvent this or invent this next phase that we're going through. Um, I guess that's partly why I'm having them for dinner tonight. <laughs> yeah. Connect. Yeah. I mean, that's the best way to, I find really connect is have people over into your home, into your life. It's uh it's amazing. And, you know, you say, and thinking about who's going to be there and how you're going to be delivering hospitality to them. And then you saying talent is everything. There's this whole thing going on where, it, you know, we're in this hiring crisis, blah, blah, blah. But how do you find and recruit the best talent? There are things we can teach someone and there are things we can't. So if you are young and inexperienced, but you're curious and you are interested in 
seeing the world. And if you are passionate about something creative, whether it's, you know, baking cakes or hand drawing or whatever it is, if you, I, I, we can't teach that. I can't teach someone that. Um, the other stuff is hard skills and we can teach that. And, you know, it helps if you have some experience, but I think mostly it's like, make sure these people, these are the people who want to be there and want to learn and want to grow. And, you know, they don't just see this as a job. They see this as an opportunity to, to, um, I mean, we get to do hospitality, right? Like who wouldn't want to do this? It's fun, but it's, it comes with a lot of challenges and the time and the pressures. We all know this. It's there. You guys see it. Um, so I think it's, it's really about does would this person want to grow and learn and contribute in that way? Yeah. I love that. It's, 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 uh, almost higher. And I hear this a lot higher for culture and the culture yeah. in this case is who's curious, who wants their curiosity quenched because right. then you can teach the hard skills on anything. Right. And ultimately I want them to teach me, you know, I don't know everything and I don't want to become kind of in the stasis of, I think I've seen it all done it all, you know, surprise me, show me something. Um, that's the, that's the, that's the goal. I love that. Um, and then as you think about those floodgates, as you said earlier, what's exciting you most about the future? All the good projects that are like either in the can or kind of um coming up soon and i think like seeing seeing this kind of new world get that we're coming out of post-covid get built and placed into practice in in our in the next phase of i mean we're gonna all be all together be continually reinventing this new way of connecting new way of gathering new way of traveling um but I just think it's such an interesting dynamic time right now. So um, it's like, what's next? That's what, that's what excites me. When we think about what's next, um, where do you see, as far as like being a part of this huge global company of Gensler, because I don't know how many people you have working there, but how, how does that, in, in where you are now, as far as having the whole world kind of surrounded by all of your talented teams everywhere, how does that help with what excites you about what's coming next? You know, I've always bristled at any time in my life where I felt like um, you're kind of looking down like this yawning future. And it's sort of like, um, and part of why I came to New York was, I was graduating from university and all my classmates were kind of moving to Toronto, which is the closest city. And it's where I had grown up. Um, and they'd, we'd all kind of had jobs in Toronto during our, our university career there. I should say college because I've been here long enough now, our college career. And I just was like, if we're, if we're already moving into our futures, like right now, like this is like, I felt like I was looking down this 20 year like tunnel and I was like, I'm out of here. And I went to New York just for a year. That's what I said to myself, just for a year. Um, I did that too. 
yeah, <laughs> funny how time go, how time flies. But it's like anytime something's getting too predictable or static or expected, I'm bored already and it hasn't even happened yet. So what I love about Gensler and what I what I think and hope my team members love too is be, we are big and the we're a small group, our little hospitality group, and we're the we're the little hospitality experts. Um, but we can contribute in a way that allows us to plug into many projects um, across the globe. And so this phone call kind of can come out of the blue of um, your expertise, your team's expertise is needed over here, or, you know, the client liked what you did over there and wants you to do that thing. And then, so it's sort of like plant these little seeds and you just don't know what's going to pop up in and in what country it's going to pop up in. And so the, the scale and the, the kind of surprise factor, I think is what, what keeps it really exciting for me. Scale and surprise factor. I love that. Yeah. Um, how old were you when you taught sailing and where did you teach it again? So I, let's see, I would have been, I think from like 15 to 19, maybe um, that would have been, that's in Toronto. And I used to teach at a couple different sailing clubs and I used to race and I used to teach uh, racing and, and it was, it was a whole immersive part of my youth. And um, at the time when you were 15 and 19, you're, you're like going out and raging at nightclubs. No, no, no. That's James. <laughs> oh, great. Yeah. No. So, no, I was joking. Um, <clears throat> so if you were to take the Siobhan of today, the one who I'm speaking with right now, and you go back to that sailing instructor, Siobhan, what advice do you give your 18-year-old self? Take more risks. Ooh. And tell me more about that. You know that expression, uh, I don't know if you know this expression, someone said this once, I thought it was, it described me perfectly, someone, it was a joke. When I was young, I wanted to be a rebel, but my mom wouldn't let me. <laughs> I think I had a little bit of that. Um, I was, you know, internally battling to kind of, you know, get out and express myself and, um, you know, not worry about safety all the time. Maybe it's a middle child thing. We can get a little psychoanalysis going here. But I think, um, you know, getting a little bit more adventure when I was younger. I was, I was shy in a way that you probably, since you've seen me karaoke, you're probably not going to um, imagine as possible. But um, maybe I'm just a late bloomer. I don't think so. Well, actually, would, th would that 15 to 19-year-old Siobhan would... Would she sing karaoke? No. Not even a remote? Uh, no, 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 no. But you are putting yourself out there and teaching other groups of kids to sail, right? Some That might yeah, freak other people I out, think, leading groups. Well, maybe actually that's what helped me start to come out of it was, I remember feeling terrified for that first day of like, these kids are going to be looking at me and... Um, you know, I knew I liked sailing and I knew I needed a summer job, but then there was the terror buildup of like, people are going to be looking at me and I'm, I, I need to know what I'm supposed to say, um, which kind of happens now every single day of my, of my life. Um, I need to figure out what, what the hell I'm going to say. Someone's looking at me. 
Um, and so I guess that was where I started to be comfortable in that role. Um, now that you mention it, God, I haven't thought about that time in so many years, but yeah, I think that that's um, probably a, it's probably a confidence builder and also a way to start to connect with people. And I've been where they were. So I knew, you know, what they're afraid of or what they're scared of or feeling or, you know, so if you can empathize and connect and then start from that. I think I, I learned to sail as a kid and I didn't do it as not to the level that you were at all, but what I loved about a sailboat and charts and navigation is it, it's like a little laboratory to learn so much about everything from just um, physics to trigonometry, to aerodynamics, to hydrodynamics, to just survival skills. Yeah. It's, it's an amazing laboratory. Um, what did, what do you think sailing taught you the most of? God, this is, this is great. I think, you know, you've touched on it a little bit when you were talking about, um, you know, the kind of the inputs and the, um, you know, the multiple multifaceted approach. And I'm thinking right now, just being in a race and, and thinking about, um, you know, the wind speed, the wind direction, the changing wind direction, the tide direction, the um, competition, the ferry boat, the mark, the everything. I think, and with all that kind of keeping a cool head and staying calm and just kind of remembering what's the most important thing happening in that moment. Um, so it's like, yes, all these things are happening, but we're going to stay focused. So I guess it's, it's, um, it's that prioritization or it's that, you know, you need to, you need to find a breathing point to, to make it all work. Otherwise you're just going to be in a panic. Yeah. And there's when all, you're in, and there's and always something. In, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. No. And then when you're in the panic, it's like, you always have to give way to the one who the other who's on the starboard tack. Right. Exactly. Like your plan might not actually work because someone else's plan overrides yours. Um, and so responding and, and just getting creative and something's not going to work. Like guaranteed, there will be a technical challenge in any race. Your spinnaker is not going to come up or whatever is going to, going to happen. And you just kind of have to roll with it and fix things on the fly or, you know, make adjustments, bail water, whatever it takes. <laughs> whatever I, it I, is. Uh, I love sail. I got to sail more. It, it's like, I don't do it nearly enough and I want to get my kids involved in it. And thank you for making me remember why I love sailing so much. It's, it's really like the most, I, for me, it was the best way to learn even just math, like actually getting out there and sailing and learning how to Vectors. chart. Yeah. It's, it, it's amazing. And it served me well as I, you know, I loved physics when I was in high school. Um, it just served me really well in all of that. I think one thing as you're talking about it, cause again, I haven't thought about this in many years, when I think about, you know, James says to me sometimes, why don't you ever sail anymore? And I said, well, I, it wasn't sailing, it was racing um, or it was teaching. So I, I would never just get in a sailboat and go out. Um, it was always with this other purpose. And it just happened to be through sailing. You know, it was a race that just happened to be in a sailboat. So um, I think it's an important distinction because that intensity and that competition um, was really what was driving force. Oh, so you were just sailing, but it, and I, 
it, but it brought out that competitive spirit and working within these constraints of life and death or potential injury. And yeah. I can totally see how that would translate to the dark angel. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm going to think about that one there for a second. I don't think I'm a dark angel at the tiller, let's say, but, um, but I'm going to, but maybe my boat name will be dark angel. Yes. I love it. Or your karaoke name at the very least. Yeah. We're coming away with some serious hashtags. I love it. Um, Shimon, this has been awesome. If people wanted to reach out or see kind of what you guys are up to, how do people get in touch with you? Shoot me an email, shoot me a text. Um, you know, one of the things that we're working on, you know, as I mentioned, I always love to show the work we're doing in progress because that's what's next. Um, so when you are curious, if you're curious, I'd love to walk you through it and show you what we're doing and tell you about how our team and how talented they are and the kind of things we're producing um, because some of our projects take a few years to bring to fruition, but they're the exciting ones and um, you won't find it on our website. Totally. Oh, okay. Well, I will in the show notes, I will have the website for the company. I'll have your LinkedIn up in there. Um, this is find me on free- Instagram. <laughs> oh, and, and oh yeah. What's your Instagram? I'll well, put it Siobhan in there. J. Thomas. Yeah. Okay. I'll put it in there as well. Okay. Um, well, Siobhan, I just want to say thank you so much. And I can't wait until thanks, we're karaokeing again. Yeah. And thanks for making me think about sailing again and uh, a lot of fun things that I'd forgotten. So this has been a, a fun way to talk. Oh, well, a we'll fun have to way to get together. Yeah, one a fun way to get together. Always better to do it in person, which has just been so difficult on so many levels the past year and a half. I'll see um, you at Sid's Gold, though. I will see you at Sid's Gold, and I also just wanted to say thank you to the listeners. I hope that this talk with Siobhan has evolved your understanding of hospitality, designing for it in the built environment, and just working within constraints. And if it did, please pass it along to a friend. Thank you, everyone, so much. We'll see you next time.